right, well, welcome into the uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast. This is part two of a salary cap ranking work study that we do with Brad Spielberg. And uh, Brad, thanks for coming back on. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Glad to be back for the uh, less exciting conference, but still a lot to talk about. The NFC, we did the AFC already. I'm sitting here in a sweat box of an office right now. I am in Florida. The air conditioning went out on my unit. No problem, right? I called the landlord. Okay, sure. I'll send somebody out to fix it. And they came back and they said, it's going to be $1,300 to fix. And I was like, oh boy, too bad for you. He goes, no, too bad for you. It's $1,300 and it's in your lease that you have to be the one to fix it. I said, there's not a chance in hell. I am fixing your air conditioner. <laughs> there is no way. So that's it. I'm going to sit in here and sweat. I don't care. I am not paying $1,300 to fix somebody else's air conditioner. So there you go. So I'm fired up. I'm ready for some good podcasting here and we'll get ready to go. But this is such a big part of football. And it seems that nobody either A, understands it or B, has any real clue as to what it means and and as we were going through the afc list or really the overall list in in the nfl the cincinnati Bengals coming off the super bowl also are the number one team as far as cap health is concerned the patriots are number two and the colts are number three and the giants who a year ago appeared to be in cap hell are number four so take us through a little bit of the overall picture and what this means and we will then begin to go team by team through the nfc we've already done the afc you can go back and listen to that if you like uh but explain to us what we're talking about here and how you came up with these rankings yeah so obviously off the top you're just looking at cap space and the resources teams have to work with but then you can also you know forecast future decisions and so yeah the Bengals are at the top as you mentioned many guys do need to get paid soon but they're obviously not paying them right now and so they have a ton of very good players that are giving them crazy amount of surplus value over their actual deals i think with the patriots the key thing for them was they paid everyone in that dead year right everyone was not spending they went out and spent a ton of money in free agency and guys like matthew judon making about 13 and a half million dollars a year you know players that now those deals are looking pretty good and they don't have to pay anyone in the near future colts kind of the same thing took care of most of that draft class although i think quentin nelson could get near 20 million dollars as a guard in the near future but yeah they, they are they're they're young they're talented and they don't have you know a lot of big contracts on the books as of right now from a broad picture standpoint before we get into the specifics of their favorite teams what does that mean and is it now an era sort of like some teams in baseball once did where it's like we're going to load up we're going to take a shot to win the world series and then if that doesn't work out we're going to have a fire sale we're going to go completely young and we're going to rebuild 100%. And you want to get it all out of the way. The Bills, I think, showed the best blueprint of just taking all of it that hit right away and letting themselves spend around a Josh Allen. I think if you wanted to highlight the worst position, it's probably the Chicago Bears because you mentioned, you know, the Eagles with Carson Wentz, the Saints with Drew Brees, obviously Matt Ryan in Atlanta, Russell Wilson in Seattle. Yes, it makes sense. They're going to have a lot of dead cap because they have these big signing bonuses for these quarterbacks they've now traded away. The Chicago Bears, over $50 million in dead cap, not much of that going to you know Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. They didn't sign a single free agent for over $10 million per year. They, they almost did with Larry Ogunjobi in Chicago. But 
you have Justin Fields on a rookie contract and you can't even spend around him and they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Wow. Um, all right, let's go through this a little bit. Um, because I think that teams, people want to have an understanding of what their team is doing because what a head coach, what an offensive coordinator, what a defensive coordinator, what a quarterback can do for a football team is maybe not as impactful as what some of these front office people are doing to their respective franchises. The Dallas Cowboys, let's start with them. Of course, Jerry Jones, uh, Mike McCarthy, the head coach down there, not a lot of movement on the positive side. Dante Fowler, of course, everybody, you never know, was he the one-year wonder or two-year wonder that came out because he had Aaron Donald around him and he had a big year. James Washington never really panned out in Pittsburgh. They move on from them. Players lost, Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory. Maybe you can explain that whole contract situation with Randy Gregory. I don't fully understand that. Lyle Collins, Connor Williams, um, Cedric Wilson. Those are all good football players that are out the door. Tell me what happened with Randy Gregory. Yeah, so the Randy Gregory situation, essentially in Dallas Cowboys contracts, they have specific language that says if you are suspended for particular reasons that include failing drug tests or, or other aspects of getting suspended that other teams do not have that in for. So other teams would say, you know, if you get arrested for a DUI or, or you, you know, whatever the case may be, then you're going to get, you know, money potentially forfeited back to the club. The Cowboys also include some smaller level suspensions and fines and the Denver Broncos do not. And so Randy Gregory, obviously folks know his history. It seems like he's on a much better path now, but was not comfortable having language in his deal that he potentially could have to forfeit money if he faced a fine or suspension for something that other clubs do not ask for money back for. It's craziness right now for so many of the teams. Of course, they're going to end up with Tyler Smith, a rookie tackle coming in there trying to help. The Cowboys clearly, I think, the still the favorite to win that division, but the Philadelphia Eagles starting to make some noise. There's some people that really are starting to think, boy, you know, maybe the Eagles are a team that we can, we can think about uh, coming back and, and, and making a move, but they have $36 million in dead cap space. Yeah, the Eagles, that's just how they operate. They love to always push money down the line. They have the most prorated money, so money tied into signing bonuses, option bonuses, all of those things, because they want to spend more cash than the salary cap almost every year. They're very aggressive. They want to be a contender every season. So even with some, you know, a cheap quarterback in Jalen Hurts, they still have all that dead money and all those things, but that's just how they operate, and, and they're supplementing it now with all these rookie contract players obviously had the three first round picks coming into the draft. So they're balancing those two things, but it also, you know, it doesn't make things very easy on them either. So you have all the dead cap space and you go, all right, let's see what we can do. Oh, no problem. Let's just make a trade for AJ Brown and side him for a hundred million dollars or whatever the, the number ended up being. So how does this work? They get Devontae Smith the year before. They come back with A.J. Brown sort of trade. And basically, Tennessee said, we don't want to pay any receiver that much money, I think. I mean, clearly, they were happy with A.J. Brown. So Philadelphia is, despite the dead cap space? 
Yeah. So they're going to come in and do the same thing where his, his first year cap hit is going to be small and then it's going to balloon in the later years of the deal. So they can always fit more and more guys on there, but you know, you had Brandon Brooks retire. There's, you know, some rumblings, maybe they move on from their other guard and Isaac Sumalo in the next couple of days. They did make some tough decisions as well and let some good players go. Steven Nelson at cornerback now on the Houston Texans. So, you know, it is a good roster. I think they've had a good off season, but they lost some talent as well. The Washington Commanders come in with only $2.5 million in dead cap space. So you think, okay, that's that's good. Um, they've got uh, middle of the pack um, and money left to spend. So tell me about the Commanders and exactly what you're seeing with that football team because the addition of Carson Wentz now is, I don't know, probably – troubling for a few Washington fans. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he comes back and he turns out to be what he was uh, in Philadelphia in that one amazing season. But uh, what what do we think now about Ron Rivera and what we're, they're doing in Washington? Yeah, this is always a scary proposition, but I'll go ahead and plant my flag. I think I'm higher on the commanders than a lot of people around the NFL. I think they have a talented roster on both sides of the ball in the trenches. I'm kind of an old school. You know, I believe you went up front with the big boys and, and you kind of filter out the rest from there. Um, and I think they have a stout unit on both sides of, you know, of the trenches, as I mentioned. Carson Wentz, yes, he obviously has not been good the last couple of years, but Taylor Heineke wasn't even playing in the NFL before being their full-time starter. And Alex Smith coming off that devastating injury, it was, frankly, it was hard for me to watch some of his games that year. So I still think he is an upgrade. I like Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I think he's a stud um, and it was deserving of a first round pick. So, you know, I'm higher on them than most, I guess I should say. Jahan Dotson, if he ends up being, he's a he's a magical catch radius guy for a little guy. He really could go find the football and make plays on it. It'll be interesting. And and really, that was for Carson Wentz. That's when he was at his best when he could throw those balls above those big tight ends in Philadelphia when they were there, kind of go get the rebound that sort of a thing as well. So we talked about the New York Giants in a great spot here. Uh, as far as what they're going to be able to do financially. Uh, Brian Dayball comes in uh, as the offensive coordinator, de facto head coach, and Wink Martindale comes in as the defensive coordinator. Now, I love Wink. Wink's one of those characters of the league, and he is going to be a go get em sort of guy. I mean, that is just his M.O., so they're going to have to have cornerbacks uh, throughout the course of that uh, back end to be able to make it work. Your thoughts on the Giants going into year one of this regime? Yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle, but you mentioned Wink Martindale. I think the last couple of years, Leonard Williams, their interior defensive lineman, has gotten a lot of flack, but you look at the guys he's been playing with, and really none of them can generate a pass rush themselves. Enter Kayvon Thibodeau in the draft with the fifth overall pick, and I think he's going to scheme up some great ways to get those guys some pressures. You mentioned the back end. They obviously cut James Bradbury to free up a bunch of room, but they did sign a Dory Jackson last year in free agency. They have third round pick uh, Aaron Robinson, a third round pick last year, who's supposed to be the starter opposite him. So I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge playing that, 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 that crazy, you know, pressure scheme that Wink Martindale likes to deploy with maybe, you know, not a great secondary behind it, but they do have some more, some much more talent up front. Evan Neal, the big tackle comes in. So maybe uh, those two first round, high first round picks, the fifth pick and the seventh pick overall, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, both. And it's Wayne Dale Robinson out of Kentucky. Good little receiver, quick guy. Uh, he's impressive to watch play uh, as well. So as you look back now, let's just do a quick review of the NFC East. If you had to pick a team out of there, still the Cowboys, despite 
some of the issues? Yeah, it would be the Cowboys for me still. The Eagles were one and seven in games against teams with a winning record last year. You know, kind of snuck into the playoffs. I, I still would take the Cowboys to win that division. All right, let's go to the NFC North now. And speaking of different uh, looking football teams at this point, no Devontae Adams, no Marquez Valdez Scanling, no Equinamius St. Brown, uh, Lucas Patrick, the guard gone. They really didn't add much of anybody, but they do sign Aaron Rodgers. And give me some vision here of what the of what the Packers look like now because they're dead cap space is right around $25 million as well. Yeah, they're pushing that issue into the future. Aaron Rodgers is going to set a record for the single dead cap hit for one player when he does step away. I think their approach is they're going to have one of, if not the best defenses on paper in the entire NFL. I mean, you look at their each unit up front uh, with the linebackers with Devondre Campbell coming back. And of course, now on the back end with their first rounder, Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander, now the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. You had Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker in the draft out of Georgia. I think they could have maybe the best defense in the NFL. And then you just say, hey, Aaron, you know, go score us four touchdowns. Go give us 28 points. And we'll probably win most games. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. They certainly have some guys up there. I I, I assume Rashawn, Gary, Preston Smith get the, get a, uh, the job done on the edge with the pass rushers. Um, it's an interesting football team. It's it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. We all know that. He's the guy that does seem to be able to carry the load and make it happen. Let's go on to the Minnesota Vikings now. The Vikings, kind of an interesting case study here for a football team that um, – you know, is it ever going to be good enough? Is it ever going to be somebody, a team that can knock off the Green Bay Packers uh, with what they have, coaching change going on there as well? Your initial thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, you know, I think, again, they enter a year where I think they are a playoff team, but do I see them winning multiple playoff games? Probably not. I think going to Kevin O'Connell at head coach could open up that offense. They added Albert Wilson, the speedy former Dolphins receiver yesterday. I think they needed to address that third, fourth wide receiver spot behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I thought they did a good job there. And Irv Smith, their, their young second-round tight end who missed all of last season, could be a big addition back on that team. So the defense, I think, is not very good, not very talented. They did use their first two picks on Louis Cine, the safety, and then Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson. So maybe they you know, may have a fast start to their NFL career. So I actually I think I'm higher on them than a lot of people, too. I think they are a 9-10 win football team in a weak NFC. I think they will get a wild card. It's just a question of, is that where it all ends, you know, once again? Andrew Booth is going to be an interesting question, that second-round cornerback. He looks like he has the kind of talent, health, all the different things plays into it. Sedarius so Smith over from the Green Bay Packers as well. He never was able to get healthy a, a season ago. Can he regain some of the form that made him one of the most dynamic players? The Packers used to move him around. He would blitz a lot from inside, from outside. Uh, a lot of different things that work there with him. Uh, I, I am... I, I'm I'm really interested to see how that all works out. I, I'm a I'm a fan of Kevin O'Connell, and what was it? Three out of the final four coaches had some tie back to the Rams, back to this style of offense, and maybe the whole league's going to look like this here pretty soon. Who knows? Um, so for the Minnesota Vikings, they move on. The Chicago Bears, I've i there's a lot of doom and gloom when it comes to the Chicago Bears, and maybe. The number one reason is what we're seeing in that dead cap space, $53 million effectively, second most uh, in the National Football League. Is there a path 
without, you know, Allen Robinson and without the ability to go sign some guys to make them competitive in this division. Yeah, I really just don't see it. I mean, on both sides of the ball, I think we talk a lot about their offense, the lack of weapons for Justin Fields, obviously. Allen Robinson, like you said, now a Los Angeles Ram. And I am high on Darnell Mooney, but, you know, outside of him, there's really not much there to speak of. The offensive line still has a lot of question marks. But then the other side of the football, Akeem Hicks goes and signs the Tampa Buccaneers yesterday. That defensive line obviously already traded away Khalil Mack. And Robert Quinn is coming off of, what, 18 and a half sack season. Is he going to repeat that? Probably not. I think they are going to have – it's going to be a tough year in Chicago yeah it's about as depressing uh, a fan base as you will talk with they just say they can't figure it out and I and Justin Fields I, you know I I liked him I, I really do I think he has some throwing motion issues he's gonna have to improve I mean uh, he's got a lot of motion in what he's trying to deliver there uh, the Detroit Lions for me one of those interesting teams if old school ever does work in the NFL again, which I'm not sure it's ever going to, maybe this is the one team and maybe Dan Campbell is the one guy that can somehow put this over the top because they are physically, they can be dominant. It, it, you know, Aiden Hutchinson sort of falls into their lap with the number two overall pick. The Michigan guy stays home. Uh, and Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, if he returns to form and again you go if but he was the one guy in college football that game after game seemed to just outrun everybody in the sec and you just don't see that very often you really don't and i think the thing with them you talk about old school football is you need to have a good defense and their defense couldn't really stop anyone last year and you can't really run the football when you're trailing in every game and obviously that's what you'd like to be doing with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams in the fold there, a great offensive line. I think the addition of Williams and DJ Chark in free agency, maybe you get some lighter boxes against you now because those guys are taking the top off of opposing defenses. Um, but I do, I think it comes down to the defense. Is Aiden Hutchinson going to be an immediate impact player? I like Josh Pascal, the other edge rusher they had in the second round out of Kentucky. And they had two interior defensive linemen last year I really liked and Ali McNeil and Levi and Wuzurike. So can they take that next step on the defense that enables them to not have to kind of throw the ball with Jared Goff 50 times a game because that is not a winning formula. The Chris Collinsworth Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. They do everything over there. Luckily, you've got a first-round pick in helping you make the right money moves. So there you go. Do you need life insurance? They've got that. What about help planning for your financial goals? Always important. So don't pass up on these very important picks. Use your position to expand your financial education and learn more with information on life insurance, investing, and retirement planning only at our friends from Western and Southern. WesternSouthern.com slash draft. Right now you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code, wait for it, Collinsworth. <laughs> there you go. What can you get with a PFF subscription? All, all of PFF's locked article content. There's a ton of that. Fantasy football rankings and projections coming out very soon. Get way ahead of your competitors and don't ride naked in the back of a pickup truck or whatever the punishment is. Data and grades from the entire 2021 season and upcoming 2022 season and so much more. Support the podcast, all the great young people around here. Use code Collinsworth for 25% off any sub.
So, so far, this has been a pretty easy game, right? I mean, as you talk about the NFC East, it's the Cowboys. A pretty clear-cut favorite doesn't mean they're going to win it. The Eagles, probably a pretty clear-cut second overall pick. Commanders, probably third. Giants, probably fourth. Not that hard to do, right? doesn't mean it's going to end up that way, and, and most assuredly, it will not. In the NFC North, you almost do the same thing, don't you? Don't you go Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears, or Bears, Lions, however you you, you want to play that one. Uh, and with the Bears, with all that dead cap space. So, so far, unlike the AFC, where we can't figure out anything about who the favorites are in basically any division, the NFC is starting to look like chalk. You know, this is like this is like a day at Keeneland Park. You go in, you bet a lot of four to five shots, and then you go home and count the money you lost. So the the Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions, anything different in your heart? Anything that you feel like is going to be crazy coming out of there? Like you said, you don't want to go with chalk because we're surprised every year. But in those two divisions, I, I, my one thing I would throw out is the commanders. I think they can maybe surprise some people. Um, but otherwise, no, I think it's pretty, pretty clear cut who are the better teams in those divisions. NFC South. Let's move on now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I would argue this one may be even more extreme that you've got the Buccaneers sitting there. And of course, they make the head coaching change and they go to Todd Bowles and, and Bruce Arians going to step down. Um, but this is a team that's made some nice moves. They had to give up some people as well. They, they lose their two guards, one to retirement. Shaq Mason, um, comes, comes in and he should help the cause here. Uh, certainly, uh, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, both out of there. Uh, Gronkowski unsigned. Who knows what in Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, are they both coming back at this point? I think Akeem Hicks probably closes the door on Dominican Sue. So that's the change there. And Jason Pierre-Paul, Gronkowski, you know, maybe some some little changes there. But as long as Tom Brady's Tom Brady, is there any scenario that the, the Tampa Bay Bucks aren't the overwhelming favorite in this division? No, nah, and I think you mentioned the weapons. I and mean, the big move for them, honestly, was adding Russell Gage as a third wide receiver this year. Got a solid deal, three years, $30 million. But when they had those injuries to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin last year and Antonio Brown was doing Antonio Brown things, it then fell to young, you know, rookie contract players, Tyler Johnson and, and Scotty Miller and guys that are fine kind of supplemental pieces, but not guys that in a pinch you can rely on. And I think we saw last year with Russell Gage in Atlanta, again, not a number one wide receiver, but was productive when they lost, you know, Calvin Ridley and obviously traded away Julio Jones. I think that was a very smart signing for, you know, a potential disaster scenario with more injuries. How much pressure on uh, Luke Gedeke? I guess I'm saying that right. Um, the tackle going to convert over to guard, I assume. That's, that's maybe the one position to keep an eye on with this football team. Yeah, I'm with you. Like you said, Mason will obviously take over the left guard. I do know people were very high on him, you know, coming out. I think they thought he would, should have been talked about as much as Trevor Penning, maybe not as much, but, you know, obviously teammates in college and both good players, definitely pressure. But when you're next to Ryan Jensen, who they re-signed and, and think is the leader of this offensive line, one of the best centers in football, and you got Tristan Wirfs next to you on the, on the right tackle spot, you should be able to be protected to some degree. Um, what happens to the Buccaneers after Tom Brady retires? Does this thing, do they become the Saints at that point and have to take all the cap hits? 100%, yep. So it's all just 
play ahead, Sam, and and so they're going to pay the piper at some point too. Yeah, they've been pushing money down the road, but like you know, like we talked about last show. I mean, why wouldn't you if you have Tom Brady in his you know his final years? But yeah, it'll be probably a bit of a you know a rebuild scenario after that. The Saints sort of in that same mode, uh, dead money right at $30 million. Of course, going through the whole transition with Drew Brees, they come back with Dennis Allen, their former defensive coordinator, now in as the uh, head coach and I would assume still the defensive coordinator. Pete Carmichael has been there forever and a day. Uh, but that is a major change. They they make the trade uh, to move up. They gave up some picks uh, for next season, a little bit of a surprise. Um, and out of that uh, movement uh, that they did, they end up with Chris Olave, a wide receiver out of Ohio State, good player. I didn't have him as highly ranked as, as even some of our guys did. Uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, an offensive tackle. <laughs> I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was anything special either. So the trade up in your estimation was a good thing, a bad thing, because most people kind of said do what? No, the price was crazy there. And you really should never be that confident in one player, you know, coming in and make that, making that big of an impact, unless they're a quarterback, they paid a, an arm and a leg. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Olave. I, I think honestly, Michael Thomas sounds like he's still not at 100%, and maybe you could speak to those high ankle sprains and just how long they linger. But if Olave has to be the number one guy in the offense for any rookie, regardless of how good you think they are, that's a tall task and a lot to ask. I thought he was a glider. I didn't think he was the guy that necessarily got himself open. I think he made a lot of big plays against some lesser defenses, but we'll see. He can fly. He can run. So I understand why they took him. Uh, the safety position, they flip Marcus Williams. They end up with Marcus May coming over from the Jets. Uh, that should be just about a push. But Tron Armstead, you know, that's the guy when healthy, you just can't replace him. He's uh, in Miami, I think now, right? That's right. Yep. Sign a decent deal there. And obviously Penning has to slot in now and go from, you know, FCS football to starting for the Saints on the left tackle. So that I'm sure is also going to be, you know, a tough, tough transition. I, I guess I should have mentioned they did add Jarvis Landry as well. So they have some receivers there, but um, you know, it's just, it, it's hard to envision Jameis Winston coming off the torn ACL P car, Michael kind of underrated has been there forever. Like you mentioned, but I also think Sean Payton, um, you know, I think sometimes we underappreciate what he had four quarterbacks start last year. There are missing guys all over the place and they somehow kept it afloat. Uh, and Sean's the dynamo there, right? He just is. He was, he was the personality. He was the dynamic leader. He was, he was the whole thing. That's going to be a, a very tough replacement. So does some of this dead money for the saints go away next year? I, this has been two years now. They've been pounded pretty good by Drew Brees not being there, right? It doesn't get any better because they just keep doing it. That, that's their thing. It's different than some of the other teams. It's not a window. This is what they do every single offseason. Um, you mentioned, you know, I mentioned Michael Thomas, so we don't know if he's even, you know, going to play or how good he's going to be. He has a, you know, $25, $30 million pushed out. Cam Jordan, who is, you know, an Ironman and never misses football games, now going to be 33 years old, I think. But he has $20, 30000000 million pushed out into the future. So all these guys, these older players um, that eventually, you know, in theory, Demario Davis, a linebacker, eventually will fall off at some point. And all of them, when they do step away, will leave these massive dead cap hits for New Orleans. And the biggest dead cap hit of all, I guess, uh, the Atlanta Falcons at $63 million. Matt Ryan was a good player, took him to a Super Bowl once. But, man, that one feels painful. 
so painful. And I think folks don't realize, yes, he obviously is not the Matt Ryan of his 2016 MVP campaign. But even last year, I went back and watched some of the film. I mean, without him there, with that offensive line that still I think is pretty suspect, and now enter Marcus Mariota, who has struggled to stay healthy pretty much the last several years, I think it could be – I mean, I think they could be a two-win football team. I think it could be that bad. But does that play into the whole scheme? And nobody wants to talk about tanking, and nobody's tanking. Everybody will be trying to win football games. But you trade away your quarterback. You bring in Marcus Mariota. You know what you're doing, right? But you also now are saying, I'm okay if we win two games this year, right? It does. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I uh, you don't have to call it tanking, but it's still, you know, your roster, you're not, you're not taking as a coach or as a player, but as a GM, you can kind of force the roster to not be talented. Right. And then what you've done now is put yourself in a position because there are in theory, good quarterbacks coming out next year. We'll see every year. Everybody tells me this guy's great or that guy's great. And then you go, the one I never heard of ended up being the best quarterback. And those other guys aren't any good at all. Uh, but from the standpoint of potential quarterback stars coming out, next year's draft was really the mother load. 100%. And I think some teams did kind of pinpoint that and say, let's just wait till 2023. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis in Kentucky, all these guys. I think a lot of teams have that draft class circled. As you mentioned, there is nothing you know definite about these classes, but they definitely seem to think it's a much better group. Yeah, the only problem that they're going to have is they're going to play some of these other weaker teams in their own division and might sneak out a few wins out of it. So might screw the pooch on the on the whole thing with that one. Um, so explain to me where the Falcons will be next year. Did they take the entirety of the Matt Ryan hit this year? Correct, which they didn't do with Julio Jones. So, yeah, they, they were smartly this time. They took all the pain for most of the, most of the players, took all the pain this year. So they're really cleaning the slate. And next year should be ready to go compete. And oh, by the way, that likely is going to be the year that no more Drew Brees and no more Tom Brady. Exactly right. And, and maybe you hope Carolina doesn't get to pick high enough because, like you said, maybe they beat you twice in your division and, and they kind of kind of like the Dolphins back when they went five and 11 and, and could have had Joe Burrow and end up with two at Tagovailoa instead. You kind of hope it all works out in your favor. So at the end of the day, obviously, Tampa Bay overwhelming favorite here right i i, I think we're going to go there saints still have to be second despite all the changes that are happening with that panthers probably then falcons um the panthers are the ones that to me are the interesting part of this mix they're sort of running out of time here they didn't take the quarterback high this year and you go, well, that's a great strategy because there's quarterbacks next year, but you also have the issue, are you going to be there next year to be the one to make the pick? And that's the big thing. And maybe they had a vote of confidence, like don't force the issue and don't, you know, chase going seven and 10 just to keep your jobs. And, you know, I, I frankly think that we'll probably see a new head coach there next year unless they have a miracle season. But yeah, I mean, I mean it, like to see a team come in that desperate and we knew they were desperate to win and get back on the right track. And still, as of today, Sam Darnold is their starter. You don't see that very often. So if you had to say who's getting it most right of the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers from a financial standpoint, who do you feel the best about going into not next year, but the following year? It's a tough choice. I mean, I guess I would go with the Panthers just because I do like the young talent they have. You know, just extended DJ Moore, wide receiver. 
Uh, I mean, J.C. Horn, I think, is a good player. It was a good pick last year. But for, to be honest, like those three teams, I would put all in the bottom 10. So that, that's a tough choice. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting if you're the Atlanta Falcons. And, and I, you know, you hate to say it, but it's going to come down to who gets. I mean, we might have one of those years, quarterbacks, one, two, three kind of thing again next season. So um, it's craziness. I, I, I honestly, I wish they would change the draft system. I, I wish it were more of a lottery. I, I, I don't like the fact that losing gives you the quarterback play is just too significant right now in the big picture of what's happening with the league to where motivation for not winning games is a little too great for my personal taste, but everybody has their own thoughts on that. Uh, let's go to the West. Now the Rams, uh, you're talking about a team willing to go all in. This is probably King of the road right here with the, with the Rams. And yet only 13.5 million in dead cap money. And that's pretty good. Yeah, they took it on the chin with Jared Goff. They took it on the chin with Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley and just kind of got all those contracts off the books. Obviously, I think the big one is, you know, not having to pay Von Miller as much as he ended up getting in Buffalo. Cleared a lot of things up for them. They were able to keep, you know, their center and Brian Allen. I think the Allen Robinson move is honestly still underrated. I mean, him playing with a guy like Cooper Cup's talent, you know, Chicago, he was in Chicago for the last couple of years, basically by himself. Darnell Mooney did kind of emerge at the end there, but just the space he's going to have and, and the lack of attention. Um, yeah, they are the class of that division, which, you know, is usually a good division, but I have them as the favorite for sure. Um, other players in play here as well. Andrew Whitworth finally retires uh, an amazing career, hall of fame career, man of the year career, all those different things. But Joseph Noteboom came in in that playoff game. And I thought played great. And we called that game against uh, Tampa. Um, and that was the difference. I mean, in many ways you might be able to say the super bowl kind of came down to that game and who was able to come out of that one. And the Rams ended up holding on at the end of the game. Big questions, though, in my mind, of course, Allen Robinson there. Could we see Odell Beckham, if he does come back, be sort of the Von Miller of this team for next year? Because Von Miller came in from Denver off of that ankle injury, missed those five uh, weeks, comes in there, clearly got red hot come playoff time and the end of the season and carried the day. Could Odell Beckham, if they can hang on to him, have that same sort of impact late season next year? Yeah, I think that is probably what they're thinking. And I think maybe what he's thinking as well. I just don't see a scenario where he can play the first couple of weeks of the year. I mean, tearing your ACL in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, and, and adding that juice like they did again, you know, with, with him leaving Cleveland midseason, I think that's definitely probably on both of their minds and would put them over the top again and from a, from a weapon standpoint. Uh, this is maybe the one contested division still uh, out there. You know, it's 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 so easy to think of the Arizona Cardinals as being that team that fell apart, right? They they got off to the great start. They fall apart again. Uh, Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, both end up with contract extensions. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with their quarterback here in this situation. But they did finish the year in second place. They were, were a wild card team. Uh, your thoughts on exactly what's going on with the Cardinals? Yeah, well, good news. I did see that uh, Kyler Murray isn't in practice today. So he's reported for the first time this offseason. So obviously no contract yet, but he is there. Um, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins' suspension is tough, but – 
he also maybe with that extra added time off can get fully healthy. Um, and then once he does come back with the addition of Marquise Brown, that speedy, you know, slot receiver element for them as well. I'm with you. It's, it's easy to fall victim to recency bias. They started out, you know, on a tear. Kyler Murray was our highest graded quarterback through week 14. And then DeAndre Hopkins went down and every, everything obviously went downhill from there. But they could. They could surprise. On the other side of the ball, though, you lose Chandler Jones. You don't you know JJ Watt is there, but not a ton of pass rush, and their secondary is still just kind of an incomplete unit. No doubt about it. the The Chandler Jones thing is so interesting. What did he start off the year with? Like five sacks in one game, and was pretty ordinary the rest of the way, uh, at least as far as sacks are concerned. Christian Kirk got all the big money to go to Jacksonville. Uh, it, it, it's a very interesting team, but a good team. It's a team that still has potential. So at least in my mind, if there is a division still up for grabs a little bit, I, I definitely would like the Rams first. The 49ers, you know, come into the, to the next phase of this thing and you go, what are the 49ers going to be right now? You know what? They make the change at the quarterback position, but they always seem to win. They always seem to be right there. In reality, they probably should have beaten the Rams and gone on to another Super Bowl, despite all the things that were going on with that team. Uh, your thoughts on, on what they're doing with Kyle Shanahan there. Yeah, like you said, they just find a way to win football games and and win the big ones, the important ones. I mean, they're getting Javon Kinlaw, their recent first-round pick back from an injury. Maybe he can make an impact on the interior opposite Nick Bosa. Um, it's just, yeah, they're a hard one to gauge because they switched a quarterback. I'm not even sure they have switched a quarterback yet, to be honest. Um, it, might, it probably comes down to Trey Lance. And is he ready to take over that offense? And can he add an element, you know, a, a deep passing element and, and ability to throw out of the pocket without always having to run play action and, and do all these boots and everything that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of needed to supplement his game? Can he actually be a, an addition and not just kind of getting buoyed by Kyle Shanahan? It's such an interesting question. Every time that I watch the 49ers play, you're, my gut is always the same feel, is what if they had a truly mobile quarterback? They're so good at those outside zone runs going one direction. And if you had a guy that was just a phenomenal athlete, a great runner, and clearly that's the one thing we saw out of Trey Lance uh, coming out the back end, could it just be one of those unstoppable kind of things? You're going to have the, the hard stretch, you're going to have the throw back slants on the backside and then you're going to have the bootleg out the back he did play though he played was it against Denver that he played I can't remember exactly and it was like eh, you know uh, you know you were really hoping that some flash would come out of that game and I've said it from the beginning it still would not stun me if Jimmy Garoppolo were there on that football team and if they go head-to-head -head in training camp, it still would not stun me if Jimmy Garoppolo won that job. I'm with you 100%. I mean, there were some times they brought him in for certain goal line packages. I think the first snap of his career, he took like a, a zone read for a touchdown. But, yeah, you just didn't see it when he had the full game. And maybe, you know, the game plan wasn't fully for Trey Lance. They didn't know Garoppolo's condition. I think it was like a finger injury or whatever it was. So he was kind of up in the air going into that week. But, yeah, I'm with you. If they don't make a trade with someone and just say we're going to keep Jimmy – I think Jimmy Garoppolo starts week one. All right. Finally, the Seattle Seahawks. Here we go. Um, no Russell Wilson. Uh, they take the hit. 44.6 million, fourth most uh, in dead money uh, on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, 
quarterback. Maybe Geno Smith does hold on to the job. I, I, I don't know exactly um, what happens with this football team, but it is among the most interesting stories that you do. You give away Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, all the guys that you know, you know, they just reset. I, I think this is as close to what the Atlanta Falcons did as any other situation out there. Yeah, 100%. And it will be interesting at quarterback. I honestly thought Smith showed some flashes last year when he played for an injured Russell Wilson, but obviously he's not Russell Wilson. And they had a good draft, frankly, getting Charles Cross, ninth overall pick at left tackle, although you know he's replacing Dwayne Brown, who has been a great tackle for about 15 years now. Um, they're going to go back to Pete Carroll football and just grind the rock with Kenneth Walker now, their second-round pick, bring back Rashad Penny, Chris Carson still in the fold, and maybe they can just kind of win some of those ugly, you know, 17-10 style of football games. But, yeah, again, a roster that you, you can certainly poke a, a handful of holes in. Nobody would be happier with 17 to 10 wins than Pete Carroll. I can promise you that. Um, from a financial standpoint, as you look at that division now, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, uh, the dead money, it's not even close. The Seahawks at $44.6 million of dead money. The Rams, 13.5. Um, the Cardinals, $7 million, And the 49ers, 5.3. Anything stick out to you there as far as uh, it looks like the 49ers are also cutting it as close to the vest as any team that uh, can be still in a negative number, which I'm not sure how that happens, but uh, <laughs> that's where they were on my chart. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you have $24 million in Garoppolo's salary, and that kind of either frees up everything or you have to rework some things. I'm sure they'll try to clear a little bit of room with the Nick Bosa extension, but obviously Debo Samuel wants new money as well. They are tight, but I think they are probably in the in one of the better situations. D Ford's about to get, I think, moved on from the next couple of days here. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those teams have been spending a lot recently, and so I, you wouldn't really say any of them are particularly healthy from a salary cap standpoint, which is, is why the Seattle Seahawks are, are hitting the reset button. So put yourself in John Lynch's situation at this point. And you know that if you so in all likelihood, they're going to go to Trey Lance anyway. They almost have to. So if you do that, and what do you do? I mean, how, how do you handle Garoppolo? If, if nobody is willing to make the trade or take on some of the salary or whatever, I mean, that is a tough hit to just cut a guy that is going to end up as dead cap space anyway right and is you know you know go sign somewhere else and be a starter for maybe carolina or seattle or some of these teams are mentioned i mean imagine if, or worse seattle right right imagine yeah. if that happens yeah it, that's the thing it's kind of an impossible situation and i think he you know he got that sh shoulder surgery he kind of knew it put the pressure on them a little bit to to maybe you know keep him and, and see if he still had it but i'm with you I know it's probably too much of a trend now of just throwing the young guys into the fire, but we talk about all these contracts and stuff. If you're going to go into year three of Trey Lance's rookie deal, and that's the first time he plays, you kind of wasted all of the surplus value that you had trading up two first round picks to go get him. I think you got to make the move. I, I know it's probably, you know, there's going to be some growing pains, but if I'm them, I would make the move. All right. Let's take the whole league right now and just Top of mind, when you're talking about salary caps, when you're talking about money, give me the reason why these three teams are going to be in contention for the Super Bowl and these three teams or two teams or whatever you want to do are in real trouble. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think we talked about the ones that are just totally off the map, but I, I think there are even some contending teams that just kind of made things difficult for them. I think the Arizona Cardinals is one where, you know, they were using void years and doing all that funky stuff several years ago and have just kind of not been able to retain a lot of top talent. And, and so, you know, you could have maybe had another spending spree like they did last year with A.J. Green and J.J. Watt and some of these guys. And instead, they kind of treaded water. And, and really, I thought it got worse this offseason. And so, again, I, I agree with you. They're a playoff team, but I think they could have helped those, themselves some more. Um, and the Buffalo Bills are on the other side of the spectrum where because they were so savvy and got out ahead of deals and were smart, it kept, you know, Stefan Diggs in the fold. They could still add some more talent if they wanted to. And so they're a contender. And I think they could even make a midseason addition if they want to, like a Von Miller type or, you know, they have Von Miller. But, you know, do something like that because they have more flexibility. Um, you know, the Chiefs, if things go well in the AFC West, because they kind of purge that roster a little bit, they could maybe again make a splash in the middle of the season. They traded, uh, you know, last year for Melvin Ingram, who added some juice for them off the edge. They could probably do the same thing. Um, and, and then I think some of these patient teams, like you look at the, the Chargers and Bengals. Yes, they spent a lot this offseason, not with the Bengals, but maybe the Bengals. I mean, they could, if they want to, let's say they're good again at the outset. They say, look, this is a team that's going to get back to a Super Bowl. Maybe the AFC North is not as good as people expected. They left themselves a lot of room to maybe go out and make one more key addition to that defense and, and put them over the top. It, it's so interesting to me that the first two names that you throw out are Buffalo and Kansas City, two of the highest priced quarterbacks in the league. So we still haven't hit that threshold yet of you're paying that quarterback too much and you can't build the team around it. It's Tom Brady. It's it's Josh Allen. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's still the quarterback position. And the teams that can't fill it, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks are the ones that are still in trouble. So in reality, have we reached that point at the quarterback position and what we're paying them, basically a quarter of the entire salary cap, that it's too much? You know, you just can't make mistakes around it. The margins become much slimmer around those guys. So look at the Chiefs, like, you know, bringing in Frank Clark for $20 million a year has not been super productive. He took a massive pay cut this offseason. Uh, I put an article yesterday, D Ford in San Francisco got paid $1.3 million per quarterback pressure as a San Francisco 49er, not sacks, just per pressure. He made over a million dollars, um, you know, in his three years there. So like those are the mistakes you cannot make around the quarterback because then it just sinks you and then you're kind of the Falcons right where you you're you're adding a Dante Fowler to a pretty substantial deal he kind of does nothing for you that's how you really sink yourself um, in addition to that pricey quarterback unbelievable always so interesting Brad thank you so much for uh for all your time and uh we are getting back to it now these rosters are getting set these salaries are getting paid and we're starting to go it's 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 really stunning to me how I feel every year. It's like, okay, erase everything that you know about that team from the year before because they're different. There's a different structure. There's different salaries. There's different um, paywalls that these teams are going to have to hit. And you just have to start over every single year, don't you? A hundred percent. And I think it's hard to not tether yourself to, you know, past years, even the year prior, but it really is. I mean, these, these rosters are so fluid. Um, I mean, they, they're changing every day. Thank you, Brad. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you.